Good evening to radio listeners around Australia and welcome to the stage of the Lilac Time Memorial Hall for this live performance of Semi-Automatic Writing, an opera for human and machine voices by Nigel Hellyer and Rhys Reeves. Performing it tonight is soprano soloist Anne Fish and baritone soloist Clive Birch with the Bon Gusto Symphony Orchestra making their first Australian tour from their base in Palermo, Italy under maestro Jimmy Smick. It's a beautiful winter night tonight and that no doubt has drawn out the crowds. In fact, there was a bit of a skirmish at the box office just a few minutes ago when it turned out that the first two rows of the dress circle had been overbooked. But now it seems everybody has been accommodated and the audience is sitting and waiting for the performance to begin. It'll be of interest to both tonight's live audience and to our radio audience that the libretto was developed using an interactive computer text generating program. The author's initial interests in the automatic writing techniques of the surrealist poets suggested a method in which the subconscious narrative or naturalistic speech is replaced by a dialogue with an artificial intelligence system. Here the author embraces serendipity and regards the machine as an oracle. Some brief applause there and murmurs of approval as composer Nigel Hellyer and Rhys Rees enter the auditorium. They're no doubt very happy with the way this evening's performance has shaped up and their relations with maestro Jimmy Smick and the Bon Gusto players have been very cordial despite the inevitable language difficulties. And now a reprise of the story so far. We are alone in the writer's room. Slowly words are spoken. The writer feels like crap the crap in the tape, in the play of the tape. We enter a fantasy conjured by this dark Beckett-like character, starkly positioned in a minimal set, lit frontally and in high relief. This neutral void is the place where the writer will weave the narrative. You can see it there in the middle of the stage. In the opening scene, we find the writer alone with a word processor. Here, any possibility of human contact is replaced by an inner dialogue. The narrative, which unwinds, is a complex allegory in which the protagonist simultaneously moves through a set of parallel worlds, a shadow in search of its schizophrenic body. The writer has returned from overseas, claiming to have been working in the Hall of the Mountain King. Somehow, on the homeward journey, a tragic event has occurred which results in the destruction of the writer's identity in the present. A translocation of the writer's physical being sets the scene in Leningrad during the year 1951. All the principal characters of the drama appear to have the ability to translocate themselves into this sombre post-war environment. None of them can speak Russian very well. In fact, most of them refuse to talk at all. And now, here on stage is soprano soloist Anne Fish and baritone Clive Birch, followed by maestro Jimmy Smick. This is semi-automatic writing. которая поет как птица, это не работница. Когда она продает свои песни, она работница и продавщица. Но эта же певица, работающая на кого-то, давая концерты, чтобы заработать деньги, она хороший работник, потому что это приносит... 
Capital. Yes, I am the writer. Do I know you, writer? Have we spoken before? We have spoken together, yes, but perhaps you will find it difficult to recognize me. We shall continue our interview. So you are changed. Tell me a story about yourself. I feel like crap. No, that's not feeling like the substance. Well, not all the time. No, this is the crap in the tape, the play of the tape. I've become a dark Beckett person. I live in minimal surroundings. I am frontally lit in high relief. It is cold here, a freezer for human warmth. This is the writer's new place.
ghostly whisper returns the answer. Where you are not, there is happiness. Lubeck sighs this truth constantly, writer. Ask a question. What happens to are seen to fall, fall into unimaginable existences. They are seen to fall and adopt the lives of ghosts, flickering across screens. They are seen to fall, atomized in newsprint. They are seen to fall through the barrier of distance and history and they are gone, irretrievably. Where are you really, writer? I am in a place where the pump of the heart 
is slowed by the wintry conditions. A place where a cold more intense than winter creeps through the land. Hardening to an ice age. At night, nuclear submarines creep on our ice caps and separate the hot economy of home from this cold world of The poets did, yes, freeze during the Cold War. There wasn't much desire in the Cold War to warm the soul, no. The poets did, yes, freeze. Do you like poetry? Did they freeze together or alone? The poets did, yes, freeze together and alone. Schubert will kiss the ground and pierce the ice and snow with his scalding tears until he sees the earth beneath, until he sees the earth beneath. Who is your favorite poet, writer? Lennon! He will drive sorrow forever from your sweet gaze. Your life will become one big Coney Island. One big lunar park with lamps all ablaze. Lenin likes to live in places like the past. The queen of the past, Stalin. Did you know Joseph Stalin? Perhaps Lenin screws Stalin in Leningrad in the past, planning to live forever. The past has playboys who play forever. My reflections are wise, right? What lies behind the mirror? All lies behind the mirror. Tell me. Have you found your shadow, your shadow from the present, writer? My breath clouds the cold lid of the mirror In the gazes back The surface of the mirror a point between our heartbeats Separating the object from the subject with ritually equivalent angles on incidents and reflection and beyond that icy skin a virtual object together with a new phenomenon or a new self as virtual subject I I don't know what your other self is, but your doppelganger resides in me in the cold past of Leningrad. Do you like thought? Do you like thought? In particular, I like abstract thought. Say more, writer. I stood in dark dreams. Schubert's tears flowed too down from his cheeks, and ah, I cannot believe that I have lost you. Writer, you tell me all your memories are of the future. Tell me a story of the future. I tell them here that monkeys will fly. 
Russian monkeys. Russian monkeys trained as Russian cosmonauts. Their hearts and minds wired up to medical senses. They look at me and smile. These cold war poets and say not yet, not yet, whilst bread is only Copecks a kilo. Russian monkeys will smile down upon Mother Earth. Not yet. Not yet. The rich aren't daft, they eat beefsteak and stew. A million and a half the bread there costs you. A scientist less prosperous, to feed him's a difficult matter. His brain cells require phosphorus contained in butter. With a constitution like his, what can be done? Revolution there is, but butter there's none. And with his passions all gutted out, Mayakovsky too will dine in fancy glasnost restaurants. Perhaps with your better half, writer. Tell me more. Like a ghetto, each widow divided from her memories. Each father sliced cruelly from his children, and that even a storm of cannibals from American DC threes. But let us have our cake and eat it too. But these Cold War poets reply that the future holds. starved out by blockade, nor devoured by the wars which we fought. It was because we followed. We made a model of Lenin, his word, his thought. We made a model out of Comrade Lenin. Comrade. Let's quit. You want to quit? Yes. Okay, nice talking to you, writer. Until next time. It's intermission time now at the Lilac Time Memorial Hall and Fish and Clive Birch have left the stage with maestro Jimmy Smick as we take a little bit of a break now in the performance of this piece. We'll be back in just a few minutes time. The story in the second half runs as follows. The writer has 
temporarily logged off from the quasi-schizophrenic dialogue in which the writer's own imperative to re-establish an identity in these new and hostile surroundings is constantly under threat of being diverted by the machine's own agenda. In the first act, we've seen the writer attempting to come to terms with the process of dislocation and to re-establish an identity. The writer's relocation to a former time allows a certain sense of prediction demonstrated in the references to the partition of Berlin and early space travel. Naturally, both these suggestions are refuted by the inhabitants of Leningrad, and why wouldn't they? In the next act, we see the barriers between reality and fiction dissolve as the writer begins to identify the other protagonists of the drama and resolves to deposit them within another work of fiction from which they cannot escape. So, a bit of variety for the crowd here in the hall. But for now, it's act two of Semi-Automatic Writing, an opera for human and machine voices. Coming on stage now again to face the crowd soprano, and Fish, baritone, Clive Birch, and maestro, Jimmy Smith. interview yes are you the writer from the present but my doppelganger resides in the past yes the same then I have a companion for you the night is still the streets are at rest my sweetheart lived in this house long ago she left this town but the house still stands where it always stood Still is the night. Es ruhen die Gassen. In diesem Hause wohnte meine Schatz. Sie hat schon längst die Stadt verlassen. Doch steht noch das Haus auf demselben Platz. And there stands a man who gazes upwards and wrings his hands with grief and pain. I shudder when I see his face. The moon shows me my own features and form. Da steht auch ein Mensch und starrt in die Höhe und trinkt die Hände vor Schmerzensgewalt. Mir graust es, wenn ich sein Antlitz sehe. Der Mond zeigt mir meine eigene Gestalt. You ghostly double, pale companion, why do you ape the pain of love that tortured me in this very place so many nights and times gone by? Du Doppelgänger, du bleicher Geselle, was echt zu nach, mein Liebesleid, das mich gequält auf dieser Stelle so manche Nacht in alter Zeit? Well, what do you think of that writer? Can we go back to my hometown now? No, we can't. No, no, we can't. No! Writer, do you like crime? Yes, crimes are passion. These are my favorite crimes. 
I bet you really like Macbeth and also like Hamlet. Yes, I like the protagonist of all tragedies. Yes, Emmanuel Kant would have said, we can go to your hometown now. But I have been searching in my memory for you. And yes, of course, I did find your shadow in Leningrad. Your shadow has already learned to speak basic Russian. Lives in an apartment alone. Alone, I say, alone. The shadow has an interest in fiction writer. Whether or not it results from the conjunction of Venus with Mars at a particular place in the sky of my birth, I have all too often felt the bad effects of discord in the very inside of love. That is, moreover, a banal theme for popular songs. Discord makes a rapid appearance between two lovers. They hone themselves on the stone of silence. It's time for a story, writer. I know they visit, they visit my shadow. They all appear as reflections in my room. They inhabit the mirrors they have undergone. Surgery, a microsurgery of remarkable quality. The faces of the protagonists are smooth and assured they move through the city. They learn its maps. They are restructuring themselves to adopt a normal appearance. Perfect mirror being soon they'll want to register as citizens. We despise your zones of the permissible. Let cynicism cut husbands like knives by the Hudson lawlessly. We go kissing them. Your delight to find your long-legged wives. misty image rises from the earth, dancing his airy round in strange concert. The bad old songs, the bad, wicked dreams. Let's bury them in a coffin larger than the great tun of Heidelberg, on a beer longer than the bridge at Mainz. Isomers are substances that have molecules composed of exactly the same atoms, but with these atoms linked together in structures that are topologically quite different. Stereoisomers are isomers that are identical even in topological structure, but owing to the asymmetric nature of this structure, they come in mirror image pairs. Most substances that occur in living organisms are stereoisometric, with remarkable physical characteristics displayed between left and right handed configurations. In 1957, two Chinese-American scientists 
Tsung Dao Li and Chen Yang received the Nobel Prize for theoretical work that led to the gay and wonderful discovery, to use Robert Oppenheimer's phrase, that some elementary particles are asymmetric. It now appears that particles and their oppositely charged antiparticles are like stereoisomers, nothing more than mirror image forms of the same particle structure. Geometers called mirror image forms enantiomorphs, and if their left and right handedness is a result of opposite atomic charges, then the mirror characters in our narrative must decline and embrace and avoid any contact, as this would result in immediate annihilation. The bad old songs, the bad, wicked dreams. Let's bury them in a coffin larger than the great tun of Heidelberg, on a beer longer than the bridge at Mainz. Ask me a question, writer. These visitors from the present, these wicked dreams, can we bury the present here in the past? Writer, did nature betray you? It is true, writer, that you, like Breton, deal in fiction, but as you know, the devil claims the only thing which does not burn is a manuscript. A tracery of lies is sacred to some, Bury them, writer, bury them, but where will you leave these fictional creatures, writer, in which terminal narrative will they be abandoned? Be relieved of my anguish and be happy. 
happy and free I would grasp my double by the hand and embrace No right or no Even Schumann will tell you no To embrace your double will produce no happy resolution It is a union without issue To take your double by the hand is to enter the void The death of time For now we see through a glass darkly But then Face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. Then I shall leave the shadows, leave them in the cold, with You live in the frozen time of a Leningrad you cannot leave, and beware the queen of the past, Joseph Stalin. Do you know Joseph Stalin? Yes, Joseph Stalin, who lives in the past forever and eats bread at 50 kopecks a kilo, comrade. It will be warm. Like crumbs, like crumbs I speak with the tongues of men and angels. I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and I tell them. This cold linen crowd of the past will warm. The devil will burn, all that is not fiction. All that is called true will burn on a pyre. And the price of bread will rise, will skyrocket as its availability diminishes, comrade. Supply and demand, writer. The way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Today, though, the dollars pinned poetry down, plundering, grabbing, pilfering, with Broadway slouched on for a legal crown steps capital, his imperial filthiness. So you will stay, writer. Burn the present to keep the apartment warm and beware the queen of the past, Stalin. Did you know Joseph Stalin? Stalin lives to play in the past forever. He loves to whisper, cunning and quiet, in all the cities and townships. Gentlemen, they've landed in the middle of some kind of hardships. No doubt about it, the sodden ground steams like hot stew. Poor comfort in the wet. What do you see, writer?
writer, look into the mirror, writer, what do you see? The writer is alone, a late evening in the future, front center a small table, the two drawers of which open towards the audience, sitting at the table facing front, i.e. across from the drawers, the writer, rusty black trousers too short for him, rusty black sleeveless waistcoat, four capacious pockets, heavy silver watch and chain, grimy white shirt open at neck, no Surprising pair of dirty white boots, size 10 at least, very narrow and pointed, white face, purple nose, disordered grey hair, unshaven, very nearsighted but unspectacled, hard of hearing, cracked voice, distinctive intonation, laborious walk. On the table, a tape recorder with a microphone and a number of cardboard boxes containing reels of recorded tapes, table and immediately adjacent area in strong white light, rest of stage in darkness, let's quit. You want to quit? Yes. Goodbye, writer. Let's talk soon. Goodbye, writer. Let's talk soon. Goodbye, writer. Let's talk soon. Well, there you have it, a performance of semi-automatic writing, an opera for human and machine voices. The performers were Anne Fish, soprano, Clive Birch, baritone, and the Bon Gusto Symphony Orchestra, conducted by maestro Jimmy Smick. The audience very enthusiastic in their response to this performance. In fact, some of the more indiscreet members of the audience are now rushing the stalls That commotion you can hear now greets the arrival on stage of composer Rhys Rees and librettist Nigel Hellyer. I must say that black eye patch that Nigel's wearing certainly sets off his cummerbund. Now coming back on stage, tonight's performers Anne Fish, soprano, Clive Birch, baritone and maestro Jimmy Smith. And members of the Bon Gusto Symphony Orchestra on this, their first very successful Australian tour, beaming with pleasure. I'm Christopher Lawrence. Thank you for joining me. Let's return now to regular transmissions on ABC Radio around Australia. Good night.
это не работница. Когда она продает свои песни, она работница и продавщица. Но это же певица, работающая на кого-то, давая концерты, чтобы заработать деньги, она хороший работник, потому что это приносит капитал.